Welcome to Relevance for Today, a show where you will be encouraged, inspired, and fed through the Word of God. You will find relevant teachings, tips, discussions, interviews, and more for both believers and even non-believers who are considering salvation through Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey folks, Steve Lewis here. Welcome to Relevance for today. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. I hope you'll be encouraged and I hope you'll be uplifted as well. If you're new to the show, hey, thanks for tuning in. Today we're going to be talking about a very important subject, a very important topic that you don't hear many people bring up, and that's how do we get along as Christians? What? I know, that's what you're thinking, right? How do we get along as Christians? You might be wondering to yourself, don't all Christians get along, Steve? Eh, let's be honest. No, of course not. But just for an example here, according to the Center for Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, boy, that was a long name, estimates that there are currently 47,000 denominations. 47,000 people, that's not a typo. And of course, a Christian denomination is a distinct religious body within Christianity that comprises all church congregations of the same kind, identifiable by traits such as the name, particular history, organization, leadership, theological doctrine, worship style, and sometimes a founder. It is a secular and neutral term generally used to denote any established Christian church. So with there being over 47,000 denominations and your head's probably still spinning saying, what? I still can't get over this 47,000 denominations, but I can guarantee you this, that some of those are in existence because they believe a certain way and separated themselves based on doctrinal beliefs or any other thing. And it's sad to hear that, that there's so much division and separation, but that's just a fact of life. Man is involved. When man's involved, it's not going to be perfect. And with doctrinal beliefs being defined as a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by a church, political party, or other group. And that's how it's defined. So unfortunately, because of this, sadly, the body of Christ around the world is divided in some areas. Obviously. To the point where, and here's the crazy part, to the point where some even argue about what they believe, causing divides, arguments, and even segregation. So you'll have some church groups, some denominations, even though the church is the people. But the segregation part is you'll have one group won't speak to another group because you do a certain thing or you dress this way or according to what I read in here, which a lot of the times what's being read in here and being interpreted and causing divisions, some of it's customs. Some of it's things that they did back in the day in their time, and yet we misinterpret the scripture, and we think it means one thing, so we stand by that and won't budge, and it causes division. So God's telling us, Jesus is telling us, love your neighbor as yourself, and we're saying to the world, uh, no, don't love the neighbor as yourself. Love those who dress like me or cut their hair like me, but otherwise, no. The rest of them, uh-uh. And that's not right. 
And so the Apostle Paul wrote some powerful letters, and this is where we get into Paul's writings. The Apostle Paul wrote some powerful letters, and one stands out more than the rest when it comes to to teaching on communication. That's Timothy. In three separate verses, he addresses foolish talk and arguments. And you've probably noticed this. If you read your Bible and you read Timothy, you've probably noticed that, man, he talks about foolish talk and arguments quite a bit. And it was like he was batting at home. The Apostle Paul wrote this for Timothy, and he was giving him instruction and encouraging him as a leader. But, of course, as I'm going to tell you once again, you can glean off that. And I say this all the time. Glean off the Word of God. That's how we learn more about the Word. That's how we learn how to act. That's how we learn how to live and to behave as men and women of God. So 2 Timothy 2.16 says, Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Some translations read godless behavior, Irreverent babble, worldly empty babblings, shun profane and vain babblings, and so forth. But you get the idea. And of course, even though we know that Paul was Timothy's spiritual mentor, he wrote this letter to train him and guide him as a leader. And remember, and I said this before and I'll say it again, we can learn from Paul's letters. Don't just look at it like he wrote that to the church in Corinth. He wrote that to the church in Ephesus. No, look at it like he was training up Christians. I, too, am a Christian. I want to read what the Apostle Paul wrote so I can glean and learn and know how to act as a follower of Jesus Christ. Make sense? Get all the nuggets you can, folks. Get all the nuggets that you can. And, of course, arguing and having foolish discussions over things that don't matter. When it comes to the real word of God, sometimes people will pluck certain verses out of the Bible to advance their agenda or to back up the way they might treat others. These types of behaviors can cause divisions and hurt the body as a whole. And it's true. You can pull out this word right here and say, well, it says right here. If you did this or did that or this blah, 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 blah. It's just like, of course, going through Corinthians when it talks about men, short hair, women, long hair, women don't dress like men, so forth. And it goes through into detail. But what you have to do is you have to study what was going on in Corinth. Corinth was crazy. It was a crazy place there. They had prostitution and everything there. So you had men looking like women and women looking like men. So of course the Apostle Paul is going to write in here, men don't look like women, cut your hair. Women don't look like men, cut your hair or don't cut your hair and vice versa. And the different things they talked about, it was a different culture. It was a different time. And Paul even says that in his letter talking about we have no other customs as these because he was talking about certain things. But if you just pluck the scripture instead of reading it and studying the history on it, you'll end up with divisive issues. And of course, that's where the division comes from. And it hurts the body as a whole. And I'm talking about the body of Christ. So that's why we have to be careful. Know the history. If you're going to make rules based off of what you read, and you make it a solid biblical truth, and this is what we're going to do here, and anybody else who does it, you're not part of our congregation, and you're a sinner if you do this, 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 and this, and it's just some man-made rules in here or customs, you have to be careful, folks. You really do. 
That's how walls get put up. That's how a fence happens. And then we end up with a mess on our hands. Paul emphasizes on this point again in a few other verses later on. 2 Timothy 2.23 Again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Paul knows what he's talking about. The Apostle Paul knows what he's talking about. And the crazy part is, he said that for that day, because of course they saw it. The church was new and coming up. It's recorded in the book of Acts where the church first started because they called them the church. And so it's all these different things. You know, they called them Christians in the book of Acts. I believe it was in Antioch was the first place they called them Christians because they were followers of Christ. So that's where the title Christian came from. But again, it says in there, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. So what I was saying was Paul seen a lot, especially recording the book of Acts when the church first started, the fighting, the arguing, them having to set up the food pantry ministry where different people were being neglected. The widows were being neglected from one group. And they were complaining and arguing and fighting. So the apostles said, it's not fair for us to have to start a food pantry while we're trying to teach and train and equip through the word of God. So let's pick some people. And of course, that's where they picked Stephen and the rest of the crew. They were still spirit-filled men. They still did miracle signs and wonders, but they also were in charge of the food pantry. And it stopped the arguing and the fighting and the bickering. They took care of it right then and there. They didn't say, oh, well, get over it and cause confusion. No, they saw people arguing and fighting. It was a test to them to see how they were going to handle it as well, which they did a great job. They assigned some other people to get involved. The disciples stepped up to the plate and did that. But they worked together as a team, and it didn't cause division between the people because they took care of business. And I don't know about you, but I've seen a fight or two <laughs> because of comments made that didn't have to be said. And that's another thing, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can use our tongue sometimes and cause a mess. And you all know exactly what I'm talking about. But the practice of staying, si staying silent at times, instead of feeling you have the right to say whatever you want, is very important. It's powerful. So the practice of staying silent at times instead of feeling you have the right to say whatever you want is very important. You know, if you can stay silent, even when you know you're just oh, chomping at the bits, I've got to speak up and say something. I just have to say something. Unless you're defending someone, you're defending someone who's beat down and different things like that. But you know what I'm saying? We're just talking about in general talking with words. We're not talking about someone being beat up and you don't speak up. We're talking about these arguments over foolishness. Socrates had a saying that makes perfect sense on certain occasions, of course. But before saying something, ask yourself these questions. Is it true? Is it good? Is it kind? Is it useful? Is it necessary? think about that. I'm going to start using these. I mean, I have already because I joined the Rotary years ago and they have their sayings or some something similar. But you sit back and you have to think for yourself. There's sometimes you just want to blurt something out without thinking. And there's sometimes you get ready to say something and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't even necessary. 
This isn't even useful. If I say this right now while they're having a conversation, it's just going to disrupt the conversation. Or if I say this, am I sure that's the truth? Have I done my research yet? Or am I just blurting it out because I want to have something to say in the group and it causes confusion? People start running with it thinking it's the truth. Is it good for whatever the situation is? So those are key, and I'll read them again. Is it true? Is it good? Is it kind? Is it useful? Is it necessary? And one of the biggest ones in this is, is it true? Make sense? And of course, this is basic elementary principles, but yet they are very thought-provoking to a point of keeping things running smoothly. If everybody sat down and thought about those five questions before blurting things out sometimes, you know, thinking about other people's feelings. I'm not talking about everybody deserves a trophy. Everybody needs to be babied. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having respect, thinking about things before you say them that are really important, especially for your walk with the Lord. And just remember, while we sit around arguing over the scriptures and the customs, the enemy is sitting back laughing while we continue to divide ourselves among ourselves. He doesn't have to lift a finger. Because we're doing the divisive work for him. The longer we fight and complain about each other instead of focusing on the word, instead of focusing on loving our neighbors, the worse it's going to be for the body of Christ. It really is. It's going to be divided. And the more we get together, the better it's going to be. United we stand, divided we fall. That's a true statement with sports, with your Christian walk, with the body of Christ. So, in chapter 6, Paul wrote 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 through 21. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. That's something. Because even though this was written a long time ago, Paul knew what he was talking about because many have wandered from the faith and either started their own denomination or stopped believing altogether. And it's sad because thousands are leaving the church every month with everything going on. The things that people are seeing compared to what they're believing. It's confusing. You know, another thing is we must stay focused and get trained up properly. If you're able to, I recommend getting discipled by a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled mentor who will disciple you properly in the Word of God. That means sitting down with you, getting in the Word together, learning the Scripture, learning what it means, learning what it means to step out and be who God calls you to be, learning about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, learning about all those things. These things need to be taken care of. You need to be trained. You need to be equipped. I need to be trained and equipped. I'm not just saying this about you, but you're listening right now. You're learning about how do we communicate with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we break down the walls? Well, for starters, we learn about the Word of God. We learn about the walk that Jesus walked. We learn about the disciples' three and a half years of ministry. And one way that we can do that is remember what James 1.5 says. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Wisdom. Wisdom is really important. Wisdom, folks. 
asking God for wisdom and watch what happens. Keep in mind, though, that you also have the Holy Spirit living within you when you ask Jesus Christ into your life. He's called the counselor, the helper. He will help you in the word and guide you if you allow him to. You have to open up yourself to him and allow him to say, here I am. Holy Spirit, help me with this. Help me. Guide me. Teach me this word. I want to go forth and be the man, be the woman you called me to be. Be the teenager you called me to be. It doesn't have to be a full adult, male or woman. It could be a teenager, a child who's hungry for the word of God. But allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, asking for that wisdom, looking for the Holy Spirit's guidance. All these things are important, all of them. Because when they all add up together, that's when you get in the Word, you get the nuggets you need. You get that, whoa, I just learned something new about the Word of God, and I've read this paragraph for years, but now I read it, and all of a sudden I see something totally different because the Holy Spirit has illuminated it. It's jumped up from the page, so to speak. And keep in mind, the words of Jesus always trump everything. Simply read Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we loved our neighbor as ourself, can you imagine? I don't believe personally there'd be 47,000 denominations, to be honest with you. I think if we loved our neighbor as ourself, we would get along better. We'd stay in the word together, discipleship. There, the relationships would be totally different. It wouldn't be selfish relationships. It would be relationships about others coming together. And of course, if we obey these two commandments, we will find it a lot easier to avoid these arguments and foolish talk, just like I said. As the body of Christ, we have to get back to the basics. If we continue down the path of arguing over customs, long hair, dresses, makeup, baptisms, Sabbath days, Jewish ceremonies, who can preach and who can't, titles, carpet colors, and the like, then we will stay distracted from the main focus of getting out here and sharing the news about the kingdom of God. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Go! Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Man, and I could picture him pointing, go, get out of here, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, just getting them riled up. You guys have got to get out here. You've got to go do this. It's time. I need you out there. Go do what I couldn't do alone. And lastly, remember this verse, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And I've said this before in a previous podcast, but Pastor Glenn Blakeney, Kingdom Community TV, Kingdom Community Network, he really opened my eyes up to this passage because he said, do you know when the Lord will return? And it's like, well, yeah, when everybody's saved. And he's like, all you got to do is read Matthew 24, 14. It says it right there. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached 
in the whole world. And of course, remember the people groups, the nations, the people groups all around the world will hear, hear the word of God. They're going to hear about salvation. They're going to hear about the kingdom of God. And remember, that's what Jesus talked about a lot in the Bible. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like this. It's about the kingdom of God. So preaching the kingdom of God and the good news about Jesus Christ to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So that's what's going to happen. So because of that, I would say right now that it looks like we better get focused, united. We need to stop bickering over small stuff and focus on what Jesus said, right? Don't you think? A friend of mine, he said uh, something really powerful. I was talking to him one day and I was just sharing with him saying, you know, we need to just all come together as one. If we could just, denominations could just shut down. Let's just get together as believers in Jesus Christ focus on Christ crucified, raised from the dead, and get on with life. It would be amazing. And he looked at me and said, Steve, you know what? He said, all that other stuff is just symptoms. I was like, wow, that's true. It was like, yeah, because we've got Christ came for you and me, crucified, raised from the dead, Seated, defeated death, seated at the right hand of the Father, Holy Spirit given to mankind once again, just as it was when Adam was in the garden. And then redemption takes place, of course. Salvation, we're sanctified, and we get to do life together without all the extra junk, without all the stuff that causes arguments and division segregation, people not wanting to be around other denominations because of this, because of that, when the word says, love your neighbor as yourself. And even in the word, it says, by the way we love each other, the world will know us that we're disciples of Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, what are we doing? We're definitely not representing, that's for sure, right? So we need to do that, folks. We need to stay focused. We need to get on track. We need to unite together. I said this before. I'll say it again. It's time. doesn't matter if you're Baptist and I'm Pentecostal, whatever. I attend a non-denominational church because it's all about Christ crucified, raised from the dead. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the five-fold ministry. We believe in that. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. We believe in that. So that foundation builds from the bottom up. So you've got the fivefold ministry. Believe in the wonder-working power of the Holy Spirit. Miracle signs and wonders are being performed. Prophetic words are being spoken and being fulfilled. Prophecy, you name it, being done. Words being spoken over people's lives, encouragement, power. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if you don't believe in that, I'm loving you anyway because you're still my brother or sister in Christ. And that's what we have to remember. And that's what we have to be. We have to get to that point where it's like, hey, I'm saved. This is what I believe. But at the end of the day, what do we all agree with? You believe Jesus Christ came to save? You believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one? Yes. 
you believe that he came to save us? You believe he's the only way to the Father? Yes, because the Word says that. Yes, I believe it. Do you believe he defeated death? He rose from the dead. Yes, I do, Steve. Do you believe he's seated at the right hand of the Father and we were given the Holy Spirit when we asked Jesus Christ into our life? Yes, I do, Steve. Well, listen, then we're on the same page. The rest of the stuff is fluff because at the end of the day, remember the thief on the cross, right? The thief on the cross was hanging there. He recognized who Jesus Christ was. He knew he was a sinner. He admitted his wrongdoing, and he knew he deserved to die on that cross, but he agreed that Jesus Christ did not. And you got to remember the comma in there. There's a comma. Punctuation wasn't put in the Bible to years later, but Jesus told him, I tell you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. And I say that whole comma thing, I can throw this in there because if you read it a certain way, you'd think Jesus was saying that the thief on the cross was going to be with him in paradise that same day. Because the way it's read, the way it's written, I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. But that's not true because Jesus went down, he went down to Hades. He went down and defeated death. He was gone for three days and then came back and was on the earth for over 40 days. And then he went to be with the Father. And of course, that's probably when the thief went, because that's when he went to paradise. But anyway, what I'm getting at is this. The thief on the cross didn't have a bunch of baggage. He didn't have a bunch of things attached to salvation. All he knew was he was going to be in paradise. And you can explain it away all you want. All I know is it was simple. He acknowledged who Jesus Christ was. He acknowledged he was a sinner saying that he deserved that punishment, he went to go be in paradise. No extra baggage added on, no division. You didn't have to have this and that. He didn't jump off the cross and jump in the water and get baptized or anything. Keep that in mind. But hey, I don't want to get on a rant, but you know what? I love you guys. I appreciate you all. Thanks for tuning in, and let's go ahead and pray. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much once again for the opportunity to share another message. I thank you for all those who watch the show or listen to the podcast. I ask you to bless them, protect them, keep them safe. Watch over them, Lord. Give them the strength they need not to get in arguments, to be able to walk away from argument, argument situations, situations that cause them to get stressed out and to want to lash out. Heavenly Father, please, through the Holy Spirit, remind all of us to live in peace, to love one another. Sometimes that might look like us, meaning we have to walk away from situations and relationships. But at the same time, we have to be about the Father's business, and we have to focus on you, Lord. And when we're convicted, it's all about taking care of you, following you, because at the end of the day, we know we'll be standing there alone with you. So, Lord, I just thank you for all these things. I ask you bless all our listeners and watchers. Thank you for all these things. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in as always. Hey, relevance for today podcast show, TV show, spiritual spotlight podcast. Head over to kingdomcommunity.tv. Make sure you check out not only my shows, but check out some other people's shows. You can also donate. You can also subscribe to all the channels. All the buttons are on our channel pages. Check us out, folks. Everything is free. Get in there. Learn some great stuff. We've got some great ministers, some great ministries with some amazing programs, some amazing shows to share with you all.
So, hey, with that being said, hey, love you all. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Keep in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Take care. Peace.